0: If you have your Bible, I want to invite you to open it up or a device with a Bible app on it. We're going to be in Romans chapter 7 today. We've been going verse by verse through Paul's letter to the Romans, looking at chapters 5 through 8 this summer. We've made it all the way through chapter 7, and the or at least the first six verses of chapter 7. And so today we're going to be picking up In chapter 7, verse 7, and I will tell you up front before we dive into what Paul says here that this is one of the most controversial passages in Romans for sure, but maybe in all of the Bible. There are Bible scholars who have written commentaries and done deep dives into Paul's letter who write things like this. Thomas Schreiner says Romans 7 is one of the most disputed and controversial passages in all of the Bible. Leon Morris writes enormous controversy has surrounded Paul's exact meaning of chapter 7. Now, Douglas Moo says this passage is one of the most controversial in all of Romans. Since early in the history of the church, scholars and lay people alike have debated just what experience Paul refers to. The debate, he says, is an important one, for it influences our understanding and practice of the Christian life. So there are good Christian scholars who have done their homework and done deep dives into what Paul says here in the historical context and understanding the original language that it was written in, and some land over here on what Paul's trying to say through chapter 7, and some land over here on what Paul is trying to say through chapter 7, and so we are going to have so much fun today getting to dive into some controversy, all right. We're to sell it at once and for all. We may not be able to do that, but it is, I, I do agree with what Douglas Moose says at the end of that, right? He said the debate is an important one. Why? Because it influences our understanding and practice of the Christian life. In other words, we tend to live out what it is that we believe is true. We tend to live out what we believe is true, and so what we come to believe about what Paul is saying here will impact the way that we live and the results that we get when we live that way, right? And so many of you who have grown up in the church and you're familiar with your Bibles and you know Romans and you've looked at this before, as soon as I said we were in Romans 7 today and it was controversial, you kind of maybe knew what passage we were talking about today. Uh, Many of you may not, or maybe you're new today. And so let me just give you a glimpse of a few things that Paul's going to say because, again, it will impact our understanding and practice of the Christian life and the results That we see. Paul says things like this in this section For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Verse 17 or 18, Paul says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Verse 19, For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. And in verse 24, he just says, what a wretched man that I am. It's depressing, right? I mean I mean if you're here and checking this whole church thing out today or you're watching online and you were you were hoping that Jesus had something to offer you today and you're reading that going well gosh that just sounds a lot like the life I'm living right now right one of frustration and failure me trying to do what's right i came here today i'm watching online because i haven't been able to figure out my life and i hear about this jesus guy and i thought maybe he has something to offer but it sounds like it's not true right because this guy who was writing this new jesus and he sure seemed to have a lot of frustration and failure in his own life so why in the world would i want to have anything to do with jesus that's what some of you may be thinking if you're here today. Uh, maybe if you've, uh, uh, you fall into that category, but you're going, well, I've also heard that Jesus has something to do with forgiveness, eternal life, and so at least uh, maybe I'll stick around long enough to find out how to get that uh, because, I mean, if there's nothing else to offer as far as victory is concerned during this life, at least I could have some in the life to come. So, so maybe I'll stick around to hear about that part, right? some of you who are Christians and you hear Paul saying things like that you read a passage like that and you go yeah that that sounds a lot like my own Christian life right you want to do good but you just can't seem to do the good that you want to do right it's always right there before you and then you read it and you go oh my gosh like if the apostle Paul can't even do it then what chance do i have right and so we come across this passage, and if we believe that, that what, this is what Paul is saying, then, then what we find is the Christian life must be filled with sin, frustration, and defeat over and over and over again. That's what it sounds like, if, if that's what he's saying, you know? And, and, and I feel like the majority of Christians and people I talk to, when we come to this passage, there really is no debate. There is no controversy. A lot of you may be going, I don't understand. That is Paul describing his struggle with sin. It helps me in some ways to know that at least the Apostle Paul struggled with sin, since I struggled with sin too, right? And that's what he's talking about. But you've got to admit, if that's what Paul is talking about, that he wants to do good but doesn't have the ability to carry it out, then all that says to us, the truth is, is that the Christian life is filled with sin frustration and defeat over and over and over again who wants to sign up for that except for maybe i get to go to heaven one day is that what paul's saying is this what the christian life is about sin frustration defeat failure i I don't think it is i don't think it can be based on what what paul said before this let me remind you of just a couple of things that paul has has said in romans so far that we've looked at Romans chapter 6, verse 4, he said, We were therefore buried with him through baptism, talking about Jesus, into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. There's something new about this life that we have. It's not like the old one that we had, right? just a couple of verses later chapter 6 verses 6 and 7 for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin or the body ruled by sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin so you're going to tell me that the apostle Paul wants us to know the truth of how we've been set free from sin, but he's going to say one chapter later that the normal Christian experience is to live with no victory over sin. It it can't be what he's saying, but most Christians that I talk to feel like that's what Paul's saying. He's talking about a struggle with sin. How could that be true if he just said that we're no longer slaves to it, we've died to it, their lives are something different? So so if that's not it, what does it mean? Well, the natural conclusion for most of us when we go, okay, the only other thing that it could be is that maybe Paul's talking about his life before he became a Christian, his struggle with sin before he became a Christian. And that's a very real possibility. Paul could be describing his time before he became a christian and his struggle with sin but there are a lot of biblical scholars who fall on the other side of things who can make a really good argument for paul's talking about his own christian experience and struggle with sin so you pick up one commentary and it's like yeah, this is Paul talking about his struggle with sin before he became a Christian. You think of another commentary, yeah, this is Paul talking about his struggle with sin as a Christian. Again, so which one is it? No, well, I'm asking, I need your help. Somebody tell me which one <laughs> is it. Can, can I just say I don't, I don't think it really matters. I mean, I know we should try to talk about it, but I really don't think it matters. And here's why, because that's Paul's whole point here is showing us the futility of trying to live by the law. His whole point is trying to show us how it's ineffective in producing a holy lifestyle. So, so either Paul is trying to show us that before a Christian, that his life as a Jew, trying to follow all the rules and all the commandments that were are giving to him in the old covenant with God just led to frustration and failure and defeat to show us its ineffectiveness in trying to live that way as a Christian now or he's describing how he became a Christian. The Spirit now is dwelling in him, and he thought maybe the most effective way to try to live it out was to go live old covenant law, and it doesn't work. Either way, he's showing us the ineffectiveness of the law to produce a holy lifestyle. We talked a little bit about this last week, and what Paul said at the very end of this section of Romans we looked at last week was this. Starting in verse 4. So my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead. I had to separate you. I had to kill you off from that to belong, to marry you to Christ. Why? In order that, so that we might bear fruit for God. The only way to produce a holy lifestyle and godly fruit is for God to be in there. Verse 5. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the what? The law were at work in us so that we bore fruit for death. But now, Paul says, by dying to what What's bound us, what was it that once bound us? the law, right? You guys are paying attention. We have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. So so Paul says, you don't try to live the Christian life now that you have Jesus living in you through a spiritual union by living by external rules. Jesus lives in you on a spiritual level, so you have to live the Christian life from a spiritual level. You live it by the power of the spirit in you and through you and so now after declaring that truth what paul is going to do the rest of the chapter is just show us how living by the law produces fruit for death which is what he said in verse 5 is a matter of fact the holy spirit is not mentioned one time the rest of this chapter You know why? Because what Paul is doing the rest of the chapter is unpacking what he said in verse 5. Verse 5, For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were in us, so that we bore fruit for death. And as he's going to show, let me show you how how living by the law bears fruit for death. When you get to chapter 8, he's going to unpack verse 6 how to live by the spirit the Spirit's going to be mentioned over and over and over and over again why is it not mentioned now because paul's not trying to show us how we live by the spirit he's trying to just show us and continue to show us the futility the ineffectiveness of how living by the law is going to produce a holy lifestyle it's not going to work but paul understands that in saying this now, and talking about how sinful passions were aroused by the law, some would wonder if it's sinful. So look at what he says. What then shall we say in verse 7? That the law is sinful? By no means, Paul says. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had said, you shall not covet. In other words, the apostle Paul is saying that When we're confronted with the Old Testament law, which is a reflection of God's holy character, we now know for sure, black and white, no more questions about what is right and what is wrong. Like, for example, you and I could debate that sometimes. It feels like this might be right, or it feels like this might be right. But when you come in contact with what God says, do this, don't do this, as the creator of all things, the authority over all them, then now we know this is right and this is wrong according to His standard, right? And in order to live a holy lifestyle and be pleasing to Him, you have to know what it is that would lead to a holy lifestyle and the behaviors and actions that line up with being a holy God. So this is good, Paul says, because it points out that standard of holy living. But now he's going to tell us as he gets into verse 8 that even though you know what's right, you know what's wrong, and what the standard is, you can't live it out. You can't reach it. Verse 8, but sin, after he just said in what? uh, uh, For I would have not known what it is to covet if the law had said you shall not covet. Now that I know it, though, but sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. So Paul might be saying, you know what? I, I didn't even necessarily know that coveting was wrong. I didn't know that wanting other people's stuff was wrong right but then when i came in contact with god's law and his commandments and told me it was wrong not to covet now i know it's wrong and you know what all that did in me just made me want things more that people have it produced in me all kinds of covetousness right he said the sin in me produces and arouses sinful passions in verse five and now he's giving a specific example Found in the what? The Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. One of them, he says, Man, now that I know what it was and I know I'm not supposed to do it, but focusing on doing it just makes me want to do it more. And now he goes on and unpacks that more. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law when the commandment came, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, In other words, the law was given to us so that we would fail. Right? So congratulations, you've succeeded at failing. <laughs> right? That, and that's what it was supposed to do. This is what Paul is saying. He says, if you give me all the commands, and now I know what's right and what's expected, but, but it's not going to produce holiness. It's just going to produce frustration and failure because uh, we ultimately cannot live up to the standard through the commandment that we might become sinful beyond measure. We might know how much sin is in our lives and that we can't do it to point us to the need for a savior, for a rescuer, right? Trying to live by a list of do's and don'ts just puts us in a position of wanting to do What we're told not to do, it isn't going to produce holiness. It's only going to produce frustration. And he goes on to describe that frustration and struggle next. Verse 14: For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. Now, let's pause here because some of you may have noticed that Paul switches tenses here, right? He's, He's been writing, and what we just read was in the past tense. And now he starts to write in the present tense. And so what we might think then is, doesn't that settle the debate? (laughs) He's writing in the present tense. He's describing, Paul's a Christian now. So he's describing his current struggle with sin. That proves it, right? Eh, not, Not so fast. Here's what New Testament seminary professor Thomas Schreiner, biblical scholar, says about this. He says, scholars recognize that present tense doesn't necessarily designate present time. The temporal nature of an action must be discerned from context, since present tense verbs, even in the indicative, may be used with reference to the past or even the future. The tense of the verb doesn't emphasize time here in Romans 7. Rather, the use of the present tense here fits with the state or condition of the person listen to this paul is emphasizing one's captivity subjugation and impotence under the law his use of the present tense does not denote past time but highlights in a vivid way the slavery of life under the law so when paul says that the law is spiritual but i am of the flesh sold under sin it's, it's easy to see, on the one hand, how he could be talking about his past life, right, as, as an unbeliever, right? Paul's been saying this all along, that, that we are a slave to sin, that when you're living by your flesh, you are a slave to sin. So he could use that language, I'm of the flesh, I'm, I'm sold under sin. And some of us would go, okay, then how can you make the argument and say that it could be him talking about his life as a Christian? Well, because what he's talking about here is, is if he means that, is not his normal Christian life of living by the Spirit, but again, living under the law. And when you begin to live under the law, then you're going to, from what Paul is saying here, put yourself back in the bondage that you were in when you were living in it under the first place. He says, no, you're not really in bondage to it, Right? The, the, Jesus removed the lock from the cage that you were in. You can push it open and you're free. But in your freedom now, you've crawled back in the cage and shut the door by choosing to live by law. You've put yourself back in the same bondage you were in underneath it. So in experience, you're a, a slave to sin. So either way, again, he's still talking about the futility of living under the law and what's happening, the frustration associated with it. You can see it if he's a believ- an unbeliever, for sure, and if he's trying to live the Christian life that way and it wasn't intended to be lived out that way, the frustration, because you put yourself back in that bondage. He goes on. For I do not understand my own actions. We looked at this earlier. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do not do what I want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but I do the, the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not... If I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So listen, we've looked at a few of these diagrams um, uh, before throughout this, but I just want to show you again how this ties into what we're talking about here. We've talked about before how because of indwelling sin, um, we're, we're spiritually dead, right? Sin is just, we're all the way running through us. And all that we have, the only option that we have, since God doesn't dwell in us, is to live by our flesh. I can focus on using my mind and my emotions, my will and my body to, to produce holiness. So you could see how when Paul is talking about nothing good dwells in him, that he said in verse 18, that he's walking in the flesh, trying to live out the law and do what he wants to do, that he can't do it because nothing good dwells in him there. He can't rely on anything else except his own strength there, right? But, but look at this other diagram. So again, we've talked about how when we, we accept Jesus and his forgiveness that he offers us, his spirit comes to dwell in us and we're united to Jesus in those uh, ways. Now we can live by the spirit as our source, but we can still experience sin in those outer two areas we can still feel like sinning we can still think about sinning i can still choose to sin in those ways right so when we look at that now keep that diagram up there and keep looking at that go back to verse 6 when paul said we no longer serve by the written code we serve by the spirit do you see how he pitted them as two opposite ways of living do you see that? He's not talking about, okay, once you become a Christian, you marry the two. You marry the Spirit and the law together. He says, we don't serve in the old way any longer. It's a different way of living than living by the Spirit. If living by the Spirit means living by the Spirit as our source, then we're living from Jesus. Jesus from his place of him being our source to provide all that we need for our life and guiding us where he wants us to go and empowering us to do what he's carrying us out to do but but if i'm living by the law and that's pitted against living by the spirit then living by the law is not living as the spirit is my source what's the only other option that's my source flesh me where I can still experience sin. And what did Paul say when you rub up the commandments and trying to do this and not do this with sin? It arouses what? Sinful passions. Do you see that? So, so before you know Christ, all you have is your flesh. It's going to arouse sinful passions as you try to do it. Now you can live by the Spirit, though, and you can be free from the bondage that you were in but you can go back inside the cage in your flesh and you try to do it and all you're inviting is the arousement of more sinful passions when you're trying to live the new covenant christian life by law you see the frustration again it doesn't matter which one is right or wrong paul's trying to tell us the futility of living by the law whether it's I'm not a Christian and I'm trying to justify myself by how well I'm doing, or whether you're trying to live it by the Christian life and focusing on I ought to, I should, I shouldn't. You see what I'm saying? It's ineffective either way. So Paul says in verse 21, So I find this law or this principle that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God and my inner being, but I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Again, Paul, as a Jewish man, would have delighted in God's law before he knew Jesus. But he's not able to carry it out, right? Right? Or if he uh, is now a Christian, he's describing his experience and trying to carry out God's law. He loved it. It was all that he had as part of an old covenant and, and being a Jew, right? And now I have the spirit and now I can really live it out. But there's failure and frustration and he's finding that out. Either way, evil is right there with him, he's saying. So he cries out in verse 24, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death right as as an unbeliever he's wretched through and through spirit soul and body needs to be rescued from the power of sin and the condemnation of the law if he's talking about his experience as a believer and trying to live by law that's done in the flesh right apart from god so he's crying out needing rescue from the flesh and of course in both cases the answer to his problem is jesus verse 25 thanks be to god through jesus christ our lord jesus is the answer he does sum up the struggle he says after that so then i myself serve the law of god with my mind but with my flesh i serve the law of sin but again he's saying what's the answer if if the law is ineffective to produce holy living the answer is jesus Right? Jesus is the need to get out from under the enslavement and the condemnation of the law if you're an unbeliever. And if you're a believer and you're trying to live it by law, Jesus is still the answer because you're trying to live the law in your own strength and your flesh. So turn your focus back to Jesus and him being your source and he'll guide you into the right way. He'll produce godly fruit in you and through you because he lives in you now. So again, I hope you can see when we talk about this, I'm not too concerned with which one is right. I mean, I tend to believe if you had to pinpoint me on one or the other, I would lean more towards Paul describing his life as an unbeliever because a lot of the language and the strength of what it is that he's using here seems to fit more at the way he describes an unbeliever than the way he describes himself as a believer, B- but if I'm wrong, and that's true, you can see how it's still based on the futility of living it by the law. Either way, his point is, we don't we, we aren't justified by the law and, and you don't live the Christian life by the law. And, and I hope that that's helpful to those of you who are here because again, I would most of you have said yes to Jesus, who are here. maybe you're watching online. and you've always thought that Romans 7 is talking about Paul's struggle with sin. Apostle Paul can't even do it. See? There's no hope for me either and we just live in sin, we live in defeat, we live in frustration, we live in failure. Or you thought that the way to live the Christian life was to focus on the Ten Commandments, all the rules. I know I'm not supposed to do all the ceremonial and the sacrificial laws and all of that, but it's still the the moral law. I've got to follow the moral law. I've got to follow the Ten Commandments, right? Well, Well, Paul used one of the Ten Commandments to give us an example of what happens when we focus on one of the Ten Commandments. It aroused him to want to break it more. And it just produces failure and frustration. We can't go, well, why can't I figure this whole Christian life thing out? It doesn't work. Because we've been trying to live it the wrong way. We don't live the new covenant life through law. We live it by the Spirit. And Jesus will always, through His Spirit, lead us in the right way he will lead us into godly living and he'll do things in us and through us that produce much fruit so we focus on him and the work that he's already done in us to change us so that now we can go just live who we are our focus is always on who we aren't i got to change who I'm not being through my behavior. And over and over, Paul has said throughout Romans, this is who you are. The truth of who you are is the old you is dead and gone. You are no longer a slave to sin. You are dead to the law. You can live in victory over sin because I live in you and will live my life through you now. So the focus is to be on Jesus and not those other things. you're here today and you don't know Jesus you haven't taken a step of faith you're wondering if Jesus has anything to offer you you're beginning to think maybe he doesn't the way that Paul described this struggle that we read about at first but I hope that what you've seen today is that he's talking about when you try to live by a list of rules and do's and don'ts you're always going to fail And it's intended to be that way so that you will see a need for a savior. That Jesus is the answer to your problems. And that when he lives in you, you can live with victory over sin. Because he will never lead you down that road. And so if you don't know him, would you receive him today? Would you accept his grace and his mercy that he offers to each and every one of us, regardless of who you are, where you've been, what it is that you've done. Jesus died for you so he could give his life to you and then begin to live his life through you. Would you let him today? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. the work that you have accomplished through the cross Jesus we fail to recognize how much how complete your sacrifice was what it is that you ultimately accomplished through our union with you we still think there's something wrong with us That we have a sin nature because we're focused on all the behavior and all the do's and don'ts. But you've inspired Paul and the writers of Scripture to say, No, 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 that's not true. Don't you know who you are? Don't you know what's been done to you? You're not a slave to sin anymore. You don't have to focus on all the do's and the don'ts. You have me. This is the way it's always meant to be. Me being your life, being your counselor. Being your guide. Being the one to show you how to live. Being the one to empower you how to do it in the first place. So apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you'll just abide in me, just remain. Allow me to be your source. It'll flow through you naturally. And I'll produce fruit through you. continue to oppress upon those of us who have said yes to do all that we have in Jesus and quit trying to make up for the lack that we can feel in our flesh through religion through obedience through any other ways you're enough you've already accomplished it you're going to do it Father, I pray for those who have yet to take a step of faith. been clinging to trying to find the right formula the right way. I'm going to get it down eventually. Maybe Jesus would show me the few other things that I have to do to, to get there. Continue to open their minds to see what sin was intended to do through the commandments. To show us our sinfulness and our need for you. This is the way you created us. To be dependent beings upon you not living for you but living from you it's a dependency so father i pray that you would enable them to receive you and take a step of faith this morning provide them that forgiveness fullness of life the abundant life that you created them